Random Art Tips and Rambles with Rafi. Hola, you amazing artists. It's Rafi. And Klee. And today we're going to be talking about leveling up for the holidays as an artist. Indeed. So I think we're going to be covering several things regarding leveling up for the holidays. We wanted to do this particular podcast uh, because it's uh, 2020. Yeah. 2020. And if ever there was a time to be an adaptable artist or business person or entrepreneur... Or, 2020 is it or human or human <laughs> so this year obviously we have all been dealing with a lot of challenges and a lot of those challenges revolve around finances mm-hmm. and i know that a lot of people look forward to the holiday season because that's when uh, there's a lot of income i remember growing up in the jewelry business and the the christmas season was our biggest season for the year and i know that a lot of businesses and artists and just people out there doing creative stuff this is the time of year where people are buying stuff yeah that's actually where black friday gets its name because black friday was historically the date in which businesses ledger books went from the red back into the black meaning they were turning a profit when you stop and you think about it there are certain businesses that the only time of year that they are in business is for the holidays like those calendar kiosks yeah the calendar kiosks (laughs) that you see all over the mall and speaking of calendars uh anybody that is listening to this podcast this is my shameless self-promotion i do have the 2021 creative inspirations calendar created by me with a bunch of quotes and fun holidays and stuff like that so if you are interested in a badass calendar for 2021 that is just going to make everything so much better for that year Go ahead and go to our website, www.rafiandklee.com, and get the calendar. I have them on sale right now for $19 in free shipping, and that sale is going to last only for another two or three days. This calendar is super cool. I'm really excited about it. I can't wait to have one here in our house. It's chock full of awesome stuff and some really fun, quirky holidays to celebrate. I know. I wanted the calendar to be fun and inspirational, so... Something to bring a smile to your face every single day. So enough of the shameless promotion. Let's get back into the question. Okay, so this is kind of going to be an all-encompassing podcast about several things, but it's based on some really great questions. Two in particular, and both of these questions come from some of our awesome patrons. On Patreon, yeah, the Rogue Artist family. So our first question comes from Tatiana, and you can find Tatiana on Instagram at Instagram Tacobae, T-C-O-B-A-E. Tatiana basically just wants to know, I notice you guys do a lot of work throughout the week between commissions, podcasts, YouTube videos, etc. How do you build endurance to perform at such a high level? I admire you so much. Thanks. (laughs) Thank Uh, you for saying that. Tatiana, it is all smoke and mirrors. There is actually no (laughs) high levels of endurance here. It is just a lot of fachunking. It is a lot of just five-minute increments of being like, okay, let me just get started on this thing. Let me just get started on that thing. And really, honestly, uh, in, in days where there is a lot going on, that is my superpower. Yes. Fachunking has, has been a game changer. 
Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah, because a lot of times, listen, when you got a lot going on and you are working on a piece of art and you are trying to balance working on a piece of art and running your creative business and reaching out to customers, doing customer service, basically when you're an artist and you are running this art business by yourself, you are wearing all the hats. You are doing everything. You are doing your marketing. You are doing your customer service. You your are doing tech support. Tech support. You are order fulfillment. Order fulfillment. Uh, PNL spreadsheets. That whole thing. Like you are doing all of that. And at the same time, you're not just buying product and reselling it. You're not a reseller. You are actually creating the product. So you are the manufacturing plant. You are everything when it comes to the business. A lot of times what happens is, you know, us as artists, we want to get in there and just do the creative stuff. We Mm -hmm. want to get in there and create, which honestly, in my opinion, is the most important thing. The most important thing for you to do is to always put the art creation first before anything else. But when something needs to be taken care of, take care of it right then and there. And for me, a lot of times, I'm not motivated. It's not about having the high endurance. It is about realizing that if I don't take care of this thing right now, then it's just going to stack up with a bunch of other things that I'm going to have to take care of. Yeah, I would say that's hugely important. It is a it is a very large desire not to have things accumulate yeah. that motivates us oftentimes. Also, once you find your groove and you get into your groove, you do acclimate to it. So this is just how we've been doing things for a while now. And the media schedule that Rafi has put together and the creation schedules that we keep and the fachunking all kind of play a role in that. You have to constantly reevaluate the things, the list of things that you have going on and eliminate the things that you don't want to do or that are really unnecessary. Uh, That's one of the issues is we, we start growing, we start evolving in our business and we hold on to doing things that maybe don't necessarily benefit us anymore, but it's just the way that we've done them. When we did the media schedule, we reevaluated everything And for us, it's not so much about what the income is that we're making off of it, because let's be honest, this podcast, the podcast is costing me money. Yeah. Um, So like, are we doing the podcast because of financial gain? No, we're doing the podcast because of emotional gain, because we have another format to put ourselves out there. So a lot of the things that we look at, we stop and we evaluate and say, do I really want to keep doing this? It is important when you are looking at the list of things that you have to do that you stop and evaluate, am I doing this because I really want to or am I doing this because I am stubborn or bullheaded or think that this is how you're supposed to do it? 2020, if nothing else, for me has been a year of evaluation. Yeah. Um. Is this where I want my focus to be? There's a lot of things that I was doing pre-2020 that I was forced to stop doing because of the pandemic. There's a lot of things that I wanted to stop doing that it was like, okay, here's my nudge to stop doing and put my focus where I really want it to be. So yeah, constant evaluation. You know, it's interesting that you say that about 2020 because one of the biggest demotivators out there is when you're feeling down. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you right now that this year, uh, there, there's been so much going on this year that it has been very, very easy 
to let those feelings come into the studio. And when you are feeling down or you are feeling like nothing that you do is working or you are feeling discouraged or you're feeling any of that stuff. Or you're even simply feeling like, what's the point? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What is the point of what I'm doing? I'm so stupid. Like whenever you go into that place... Um, it, it's almost impossible. You'll look at the list of stuff that you have going on, even if it's working on a piece of art that you really want to work on, or you're uh, finishing up a commission, or you're doing whatever it is that you're doing creative. Um, it, it could seem like something that you just don't feel like doing mm-hmm. right then and there. I just don't feel like doing this thing. Oh, it's so easy to convince yourself that you don't feel like it. And it's funny because that's where fachunking comes in. Because the moment, even if I walk into the studio and don't realize that, like, maybe I'm a little bit down. Maybe something is going on. Maybe I feel tired physically, emotionally, the whole nine yards, right? And there's this work of art that is sitting there half finished. And it is now time. I'm like, okay, I got to work on this piece. And I just don't feel like it, mm-hmm. right? I don't feel like it. So what I do is I chunk it. Okay, you know what? Let me work on this for five to ten minutes. And if at the end of the ten minutes I don't want to work on it anymore, then I would go and do something else. And you uh, did it for ten minutes, so yeah. that's a win. And yeah, exactly. You most do it- of the time... You keep going. Yeah, most of the time you keep going. I mean, for me personally, every time I get started on it, then there's just a little bit more, a Mm -hmm. little bit more. Wait, let me just do this thing. And then next thing I know, I'm not focused on my funk. I'm not in that funk anymore. Right. Because I'm, I'm in the process of creation. And that's the thing. Like a lot of us will go into that place where we convince ourselves, oh, I don't really feel like doing this or I don't feel like doing that. It's not because you don't want to do that thing. You actually would love to do that thing. The only problem is that in that moment, you've convinced yourself that nothing, you feel like doing nothing. Right. And when you get into that place where you feel like doing nothing, the best thing to do is do something because doing something is the pattern interrupt to doing nothing. Even if you're not feeling highly creative and maybe you need to give yourself a little time to build that momentum, doing something. Sometimes I'm like, I'm just going to hammer out this piece of wire. I know how to do that. And then that leads itself into other things. Exactly. And the the truth is that's why I love for chunking because if after 10 minutes or even 15 minutes, I'm like, you know what? I'm just not feeling it. Then I put that down and I focus on internal work. That's that's my opportunity to realize like, okay, am I just being like, or is it because I really need to take some time for self-care? Like I really need to sit back and just allow myself to take care of myself. And sometimes it is that. So for chunking and evaluating, for chunking and evaluating. And as it applies to the holiday season, particularly this year. Okay. So we're in it. It's happening. Yeah. Um, obviously almost all of us, probably all of us have had to adapt. Things are different this year. There's a lot of stuff that you should do for the holiday season as a small business and You guys all know I'm doing air quotes right now. Things you should do (laughs) for the holiday season. And I say, uh, question all of that, evaluate that. If there's anything that you're really, your heart's not in it, but you just feel like you should do it. For example, Black Friday promotions. Uh, evaluate that. Don't do anything that is disingenuous to who you are. But then the things that maybe would be fun for you, where you could level up and try something new, 
go ahead and try it and fachunk your way there. So us, for example, we've never been big on Black Friday craziness, probably because in our former lives, we both worked retail. Yeah. (laughs) Black Friday craziness is weird. But even us, when we got started doing the art thing, Mm -hmm. you read a lot of those blogs and they're like, these are the holidays that you want to, if you're a small business, you need to focus in on these holidays. And so like, we do like Black Friday sales and blah, blah. And usually there was crickets because (laughs) um, it, it was disingenuous. Like we were just doing it because we were trying to trick people because we knew like, oh, Black Friday, that's when the big crowds are out there buying all the stuff and not understanding that like uh we don't fall into the criteria of what is popular on Black Friday for the most part people that go out Black Friday shopping are going to the big box stores for the doorbuster deals on the flat screen TVs it, and the kitchenware exactly exactly <laughs> it's not they're not like out there thinking like yeah i'm going to go get some art on Black Friday like that's not what they're thinking no so it didn't take us very long to realize like oh that's not who we are but We do care very much about Small Business Saturday. And so what awesome thing or things can we do for Small Business Saturday to say thank you? Thank you for shopping local. Thank you for supporting small. That's how that's how I see Small Business Saturday. The fact of the matter is that this year in particular, we are in business doing what we do because of the people out there that have supported us by buying the things that they've bought from us. Mm -hmm. And so small business Saturday is for me, the opportunity, even though it's like a made up thing by, by American express or whatever, like I don't care where the holiday came from. All I know is that it is an opportunity to show appreciation to the people that have supported us. I think that that, that is a great way. And I love that because that actually came from you because you were the one that was doing the market, sale mm-hmm. uh, for as small a thank per- you. Yeah, as a thank you. And it was never anything major. A lot of times I would have just like a small gift with purchase, uh, complimentary gift wrapping, a bit of a discount, just something to show my appreciation. And shoppers appreciated the gesture. So it was a good mutual exchange. So I think one of the important things that uh, I would love to touch on here is the the part of leveling up, right? Because mm-hmm. we're we're looking at this year and a lot of the things that typically we did in the previous years. They're out the window. They're out the window, right? So like, yes, there are some small markets up here, but you and I know that we can't go and put ourselves in a situation where we might bring... Uh, the Rona the, to your dad. Yeah, exactly. So like... <laughs> That that option is kind of out the window. Yeah. What kind of things, because there's a lot of people out there, a lot of artists that had shows canceled that mm-hmm. maybe have been doing this and really getting their business off the ground, you know, their art business off the ground. And then all of a sudden, like the, the rug gets pulled out from under them. Yeah, absolutely. So basically everything that we have been accustomed to doing for the holidays, which were the markets, the shows... We always had an annual open Christmas studio, uh, which was a party where we had our art on display and people could come and have cookies and whatnot and hang with us, see the studio, maybe buy some art or jewelry. We can't do that. Yeah. Um, so we have had to adapt just like everyone. 
And our leveling up this year is uh, we've decided to attempt something we have not done, which is a virtual open studio live sale. Yeah, a virtual open studio live sale, which will take place on December 4th, Mm -hmm. right? Because the shipping cutoff date is December 5th. For the orders. Yes, we want to be careful and make sure we get everything out to people. Yeah. Mostly our biggest uh, obstacle or challenge with this is that whenever we did the open studio, it was more of a big fat thank you to everybody that collected our art. Mm -hmm. So like I would have like free prints and like all kinds of things for for them to have. They had food, they had wine, there there were all kinds of things for them to have when they would come over and they get to tour the studio. Yep. And so like for us... In order to do this the way that is genuine to us, our biggest challenge has been figuring out how it is that we're still going to be able to do that, but do it in a virtual setting. And make it really fun and make it feel like a party. Our open studios were always very, very successful because we weren't doing an open studio to try and sell art or jewelry. Like we were doing an open studio because we wanted to give people a big thank you for for supporting us throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Now, as a result of that, we would end up selling quite a bit of jewelry and quite a bit of art because there was no pressure there. You don't need to. If you see something and you like it, then ask me about it. If not, just enjoy the food. Let's have a conversation, whatever it is that's going on. Most definitely. And that's my attitude going into our virtual event. Also, the biggest thing for me is that it's not something I've ever done before. Yeah. So I'm facing a fear of like, how is this going to work out logistically? Is it going to be fun for everyone? You and me both. I am trying to figure out the logistics of doing the sale in a way that is easy for people that's no pressure for people. That's easy. Yeah, exactly. And fun. I want it to be something other, but that's that's the way that I've always done things. Mm-hmm. It's like even if I'm doing a, a gallery showing or I'm doing anything, I always throw something in that is not expected. Not expected. Not just the blank walls with the with the paintings on them. I want it to be vibrant and fun and happy and allow people to leave that experience knowing that they had a good time, knowing that they weren't being pressured into a sale, knowing that they were appreciated for being there. Mm-hmm. And that that really is what speaks to our thing. Right now, I'm in the midst of writing this marketing book, and there has been so much uh, epiphanies that I've had as I trace back through our career and take a look at the things that I consider rogue marketing, like the things that we've tried that there was never this sense of, I'm going to make the sale. It was always this sense of, how can I bring excitement and happiness into the world? How can I show appreciation for the people that have supported us? How can I do this thing that is going to brighten a person's day? And what I realize is that that has been an extremely effective marketing campaign, if you want to call it that, but it's not. It was just our personalities, our authenticity going out there and sharing who we are. Mm -hmm. And so like when I'm looking at marketing tactics and I'm looking at the world of marketing and I'm doing all this research for this book and taking a look at what it is that a lot of these artist marketing courses put out there, I'm like, this is all bullshit tactics. And I just got off 
the subject here, but I mean, it, it all ties in together because when you think of like Black Friday and how Black Friday every year just got earlier and earlier and earlier. Oh, until disgustingly so. Yeah, until it started on, on Thanksgiving. And so like people's day for Thanksgiving, where it's a day of giving gratitude and spending time with your family and eating, instead now they have to go to work and spend an additional day dealing with the Black Friday madness. And those kind of things, those kind of things are so underhanded in my mind because they all revolve around the monetary trying to make the that profit money. margin. Yeah. That's big business. That's big business marketing. And there is a clearly defined line in my mind between uh, big business practices and small business practices. Well, there is a defined line in your mind, but a lot of the people that approach us, this is the reason that I'm writing this marketing book, mm-hmm. because a lot of people that approach us, they're talking, when they're talking about their business tactics, even like small independent artists that are talking about, well, I'm thinking about doing a Black Friday sale and da da da. And what do I, and you could almost, if you read between the lines, you could tell that this person is trying to figure out the solution to be able to manipulate people to go to their sale. And it's like, that is what a lot of people believe marketing is. That is what a lot of people believe that all marketing is. And the fact of the matter is that it's not. There is a huge difference between it. And a lot of these marketing courses just spout out the same bullshit that uh, the big business marketing does. Marketing agencies mm-hmm. are marketing themselves as this thing. And then so they got to prove it and they need quick results. So that's where you get a lot of this charlatan marketing that happens out there instead of just authentic, genuine, real people showing their stuff out there, yeah. connecting with other real humans and doing whatever it is that they could to show the appreciation for where they're at, even yeah. if they just got started and they got one person interested. Right. You show that person the appreciation because that is going to grow from there. And it's real. I've never been a closer, as as they put it. I've never been one to close the sale. I There's- would never want anyone to buy something from me and then regret it. I would never want to coerce anyone into that. I just really like the stuff that I make. If other people like it too, that's awesome. And that's the thing. There's no such thing as a closer. Okay, so like if somebody wants to buy something, if somebody's looking at a work of art, and I've had this happen several times, somebody wants to buy a work of art and they're kind of on defense about the work of art, Mm -hmm. right? They're like, I really like this, but I don't know if I have the money. Whatever, Whatever reason that they're on defense about it, right? Now, I could go in there and do the closing of the sale, right? Yes. Chances are that that person may buy the work and then try to convince themselves that they don't regret buying the work. Do I really want my work to have that kind of energy when somebody looks at it? This work of art is going to be hanging in this person's house and that is my advertising there. So like when somebody else walks in and sees it, either the person that bought it is going to be very excited or they're not going to be that excited about it. Mm -hmm. And what I want is people to be excited. Now I've had people on the fence So, you know, I don't know, whatever, I'll leave. And then I've had people come back months later that say, I just couldn't stop thinking about that piece. Yes. And that to me feels so much better than trying to pressure them into making a decision. (laughs) Then at that point, they are completely, they're they're not on the fence. They want it. They want it. Mm -hmm. They want it. No matter what, they want it. I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. I want this piece now. 
And then when somebody else comes to their house and sees the piece, they'll say, you know what? I saw it. And then like, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And then that excitement is going to translate. And that person that, that looks at that art is going to be interested in finding out what other things I create. So authenticity, evaluation, and for chunking. Yeah. Now there's a second part to this podcast that we can cover as it applies to the holiday season and as it applies to anything. If you're leveling up, if you're trying new things, is how to keep yourself organized and how to keep from losing your beep if you're doing a lot of stuff and trying a lot of new things. Right. So the second question that we have, which is an awesome question, comes from Zoe, who is Instagram angry girl embroidery or angry girl art.com. Oh, I love Zoe. I love Zoe and I love her work. So Zoe basically just got accepted into a gallery. It's totally a new thing for her. She's going for it. Um, yeah. She's been inspired by what we're doing and she's going for it. Her artwork is awesome. Congratulations, Zoe, on the gallery acceptance. Yeah, Zoe, congrats. Um, She's not sure how to do the thing where you have work in the gallery and you have work on a website. Um, And she wants to avoid double selling. She does a lot of one-of-a-kind pieces. Right. So how to handle that and also how to handle the fact that the gallery is going to be taking a pretty decent percentage um, and how to deal with pricing. Uh, do I raise my prices across the board? Do I do a special collection that's only available at the gallery? And so on and so forth. So how to keep yourself organized and cohesive when you're doing multiple things? That's a great question. Something that we've definitely dealt with. Mm-hmm. We have currently, we have pieces in a gallery. You had pieces in a couple galleries. Yes. Um, and my approach was different for each of those galleries, and it really depends on the relationship that you have with the gallery and what you're comfortable with. I will say that when I was first accepted into a gallery, what I ended up doing was raising my prices across the board because A, at the time my prices were too low. <laughs> right. Um, and B, I wanted it to be the same across the board. I didn't want, um, I didn't want to be unfair. To anyone. Yeah. Um, so I just went ahead and took the opportunity, raised my prices to something I was slightly uncomfortable with at the time, but not so far out of my comfort zone that I was like, ew, gross. So no matter where you are in the world, no matter who you're shopping from, whether it's my website or a platform or a gallery, it's going to be the same. Yeah. Same thing for me. Like, it doesn't matter if it's in the gallery or whatever, then I, I have to figure out the price in a way that is fair for everyone. Yeah. Because basically what happens is a lot of a lot of artists are worried about a gallery taking out a percentage and understanding that that is a percentage that goes towards the sale of that art. So if you have that artwork and you could do this in that way, you could say, "Well, this particular artwork is this much, especially if you're doing one-of-kind pieces." Mm-hmm. Now, if you're doing one-of-kind pieces and you have a series, then basically that series needs to go up in in price. Because mm-hmm. if not, you're constantly going to be trying to change prices back and forth. And people are going to be like, why is it this much in the gallery? And why is it this much there? And honestly, a lot of artists um, that, that we communicate with, 
uh, their prices are too low to begin with. A lot of them, it's true. And listen, I know one of the things is, okay, so you raise your prices, this percentage, because the gallery is taking that cut. Then when you sell the item, you feel like it's that percentage too expensive because you're keeping that money, right? You're not paying out the gallery to a gallery fee if it's coming off of your website. But at that point, you're basically taking on the role of the retailer and the artist, right? So you're doing the work to get it online, to get it listed. You're doing all the stuff to get it to the customer. So essentially, you're paying yourself to fulfill that role yeah, as shop one, owner. It's one of the things that a lot of people don't think about. That's why when they start thinking about uh, the percentages that a gallery takes out, they, uh, they, you know, they, they get they get freaked out by it. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is. You are running a business. So it's not just the cost of goods of you creating the work, but you also have to calculate the time you spend listing it, how much uh, you are taking it out to shows, all that additional stuff that we don't get paid for um, does add up incrementally. And it's easier if you're taking it as a percentage. It's almost like my wholesale price. So I figure out like what is going to be my wholesale price. Mm-hmm. Right. The, what would I sell this to a business that wanted to resell it for? Right. And that goes more into like product. But when you're dealing with different businesses, there really is no way of quantifying uh, the price of artworks that is being sold by someone else. Other than the fact that this that's why there's galleries out there. Some of them charge 10 percent. Some of them charge 20 percent. Some of them charge 50 percent. There's no, there's nothing out there really that, that you're able to calculate it because in cost of goods and materials, when we're talking about like a painting, there's barely anything there unless I'm using like actual 14 karat gold, genuine gold leafing. Um, you're, you know, it's, it's a little bit of paint out of this. And yes, the paint in of itself and the tube is expensive and the canvas could be expensive and different components of it could be expensive, but when you actually start to add it up, it's not going to equal a uh, triple keystone, which is usually the way that they deal with product pricing. So you do have to think about all that additional stuff. You have to think about overhead. You have to think about all the, the different things that you're doing. So that's why what I would say is your prices should be the same across the board. I did that not because I was thinking of all the stuff that I just spouted out. I did that because... I forget things. Mm-hmm. And so it's much easier for me if my prices are the same. Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, because so uh, at this current juncture, my stuff is uh, in three places. It was in four places. Your stuff is in who knows. <laughs> yeah, it's a bunch of places. <laughs> um, but I have my stuff on a selling platform. I have my stuff on our website. I have my stuff in a gallery. I had my stuff in two galleries, plus I was doing shows. So that's five. That was five places yep. to remember. Um, I needed to be able to quickly reference. Here's what the item costs. And if it's on sale, it's on sale everywhere. And as this applies to the holiday season, if I'm going to run a sale... The sale is likely going to happen everywhere. Yeah. It's going to happen at the gallery. It's going to happen on the platform. It's going to happen on our website. My first focus, of course, is our website. The website is the easy, quick reference point. It's this across the board. And that just makes it easier for you to stay organized, especially during busy times when you're leveling up for the holidays. One thing that I did, and this was part of Zoe's question, uh, one of the galleries 
yes, I did create a specialty collection that is not available on the website to avoid double selling one of a kind items. Right. The things that I create for this particular gallery, you can't find on our website. You can only find it at the gallery. I have similar items. So it's not really like you're missing out. And that's because this particular gallery, when they sell stuff, sometimes they forget to let us know. To let us know. Yeah. So that was a measure that I took to just protect myself and and retain my sanity. From double selling. Yeah. Yes. Now, the other gallery that I was in that I'm no longer in, but this worked well for me, I did exclusively made to order items, meaning all I put in the gallery were pieces that I could make another one of. So if somebody was interested in it, they could buy it on our website. They could buy it from the gallery and it was okay. Obviously, no two items are ever the same, the same. But basically, the pieces that I'm able to reproduce right. is what I was having at that particular gallery. Yeah, the the pieces that are like of a certain series. Yeah, and, series. And something like that. Uh, and that's something that you would have to consider, Zoe, um, taking a look at your stuff. It's very, very one of a kind. But also understand that like some of the designs that you could go with, you could do something that is maybe made to order. That's always something to consider when it comes to having some pieces at a gallery and then having the same pieces listed on your website, or you just do a collection just to make it easier, just so that you don't accidentally sell the piece twice. And anything that's made to order, I, and people totally get this, uh, I always make sure I say on the site, these are made to order. The one you're seeing in the photos is sold. Yours will be created just for you. Please do allow for slight variances because obviously each stone is unique. Each hammer strike is unique. All the little nuances are unique. It's special made for you. Yeah. Everything, everything that we create is by hand. And so every single piece, no matter how similar it looks to the other piece, is unique. No brush stroke is the same. No drip texture is the same. No hammering, no nothing. Totally. That's one of the things that I did with the gallery where I have my stuff is basically the only thing I have in there are the curate your space prints, mm -hmm. which are all stuff that I could reproduce. Um, but as far as the local businesses, there's a lot of one of a kind. And the reason is because the sale has to go through me. I am not relying on someone else to make the sale. So you are aware as, as soon as someone is yeah. interested. So if somebody's interested, they're going to contact me and I'm going to take care of the sale. And most times I just tell them to go to the website and buy the piece. And then I tell the business owner that uh, this person gets the okay or, or whatever it is. <laughs> green light, go. Yeah, green light, go. So like... If you are in control of the sales at a particular location, yeah, absolutely. You can list that thing on your website. It will actually make your life a lot easier because the person looking at it at the particular business could just purchase it from your website. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It really depends on your relationship with the gallery. And if they're really on top of things and you know you're going to get a phone call as soon as you sell something, that also can make your life easier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people do made to order, meaning you have a photo example and then you're going to create something based on that for the customer. And I think this is something, this is the second part of Zoe's question and something I think during the holidays too, a lot of people are like, should I have a bunch of inventory? Like inventory. Yeah. <laughs> should I have a bunch of art pieces ready to go, ready to send out? Or should I be doing made to order stuff for the holidays? And if I do made to order, how do I do it without overwhelming myself? And Zoe wanted to know basically how we handle that as far as quantities of made-to-order available on the site so that we don't 
overwhelm ourselves with the stuff that you have to make, especially during a time like this where there's a deadline. Yeah. There's a very clear deadline. And yeah. it's even earlier than usual this year because mail. Yeah. This is mail. <laughs> um, I handle things differently uh, on the selling platform than I do on our website. On the selling platform, I literally only have one of each thing available. Right. So after I sell it, knowing I need to make it, I can decide whether I'm renewing it or not and give myself a time buffer before renewing it and so on and so forth. When you're doing made to order, um, obviously, you know, somebody might buy 10 of your pieces or they might buy one. It could be a little quiet or it could be totally overwhelming. At any given time, I usually have around 10 pending orders. Um, <laughs> this year has been a little different, but I had gotten used to over the years getting comfortable with the idea that there always were pending orders. I give myself a two week, uh, time buffer to fulfill orders. So I know I could do that. Make sure you set your fulfillment time somewhere that you're comfortable with. So the customer understands this is how long I'm going to need to make yeah, your thing. I absolutely recommend doing a two week time buffer at least. Yeah. And if it takes you longer than that, then that's okay. A lot of platforms want to rush you and make you feel like you need to get it done in three to five business days. And that's just not the case for art. However no. long it takes you to make something, that's totally okay as long as you communicate. On our website, there's an unlimited amount of made-to-order available. Yeah. Somebody could literally purchase 100 of a particular necklace from me. And at that point, that's never happened, okay? <laughs> But at that point, I would be in direct communication with them and say, okay, this is how long I'm going to need. Yeah. Um, if you need it by a particular time, please let me know and we'll work together. And that's the thing. Like, uh, as long as they know that it's made to order and if they're ordering a hundred of them and they're not realizing that now you have to make a hundred of them, mm -hmm. the worst case scenario is you let them know this is not, um, this is not manufactured stuff that nor I'm selling Nor is it ready here, to go. Yeah. Nor is it ready to go. Um, I have to create these and this is a timeline in order to get it done. Yeah. And for the most part, people that buy art, people that are willing to go to our website or even some of the platforms that we have our stuff on, they know what they're in store for. It's art. They know that they're getting something that is handcrafted and that I've never run into an issue where some, and some people wait months for some of my paintings and they're absolutely and completely fine with that. Absolutely. I had a couple of instances and this actually wasn't on our website. It was on the platform, the selling platform where even though I state everywhere. I mean, I try to make it as clear as possible, but things are constantly changing and where the information shows up is constantly changing. Where um it was kind of like I think they sort of thought they were shopping on Amazon. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> that's the issue. The selling platform is Etsy. So like the They're problem really trying is, to push the quick the quick turnaround. They're, they're trying to be more like Amazon, which is also causing people to get a little confused about what the platform is about. It's true. So it really is about communication. So uh, on a couple of occasions, uh, one particular occasion, it was a made-to-order piece. It was a little more involved piece. And the buyer was like, is there any way you could ship this out today? It's kind of last minute. It's for blah, blah, blah. It's traveling long distance. It was going to the UK. Right. Um, It's for <laughs> it's for so-and-so's birthday in one week from today. And I was like, um... I don't, and so shipping wasn't going to get it there no. one week from so today. So it was a matter of just explaining. I'm, I'm, I'm making this. It's not pre-made. 
Um, so I'll do it as efficiently as possible for you, but, um, this is going to be the actual timeline and they were totally okay with it. I've never had anyone get upset. Yeah. Uh, A lot of times they're like, oh, I I didn't realize I'm so sorry, you know? Yeah. And I mean, and that's the thing, like when somebody is buying something, especially if they're buying art or they're buying jewelry and it's not, um, some, some crap that you're buying at a big box store or something like that, they understand they, in fact, there's value to the fact that it takes a little bit longer to, totally. to get it. There's a reason that they want the handmade and the specialness of yeah. it. Hopefully we answered your questions, Zoe. They're awesome questions. And as this relates to the holidays in this particularly uncharted territory holiday season, I would say as far as doing anything online, I think communication. Yeah. Uh Mutual communication, gratitude, a little bit of organization, some fachunking, uh, is gonna get us all through and leveling up, facing a fear, maybe doing something you really want to do, but are scared to. Yeah. Like, uh, we're going to be doing this virtual show totally outside of our comfort zone, but I mean, it's, it's either we do it and we try it and we either like it or we don't, or we don't try it and we just wonder if, that might have been cool. That, that might have been cool. It might have <laughs> not. You know, and I think that that's what a lot of people go through when they're looking at different things like, oh, maybe I should try this show or maybe I should do this or maybe I should reach out to this person. And they don't. All that they're left with is, uh, well, I wonder what would have happened versus just doing it and then knowing what happened and, and going from there. Yeah. And even if it's like a complete dumpster fire the first time you do it, which, you know, sometimes it is. I mean, a lot of the times <laughs> that we tried anything, it was a complete dumpster fire the first time we did it. It doesn't necessarily mean, oh, I should never do that again. It just means, okay, what were the bugs that need to get no, worked out? Yeah. If anything, like it just, it set my mind into a more realistic place. Like, so I think about this live sale. We're doing this virtual live sale. I'm going to try all these new things, right? I want to, I want to do it this way and I want it to be about this. Chances are it's going to be an absolute dumpster fire. It just might it's be. It's going to be horrible. Is that going to dissuade me from trying it again? Nay. No, absolutely not. I'm going to keep doing it until we get it. Right. Unless it's a complete just, you know, where eventually it's like, you know, I really don't want to do this thing. But chances are we're going to keep doing it until it's just fun and it reaches that place that we want it to be. And I think that that's that that's that's what I could attest to why it is that we were able to make it through the through the hard times, not just during the pandemic, but in our career, because, Mm -hmm. you know, you have your ups and your downs and things are good financially and then they're not good financially. And you get these little surprises that you're like, oh, great. Um, But I think it's because the willingness to just keep doing something until it works. Yep. Until it works and really evaluating and saying like, okay, well, do I really want to do this? Because if it's something that I really want to do, then I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. And I think it's not confusing fear with, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Because um, really, most of the time when I say I don't want to do something, it's because I'm scared. Yeah. And I might do it once and then I might say, I never want to do this again because that was terrifying. But I do want to. And I think a key thing there is to give yourself permission for the thing to be a complete heap of garbage the first time out the gate. Yeah. 
if it is, yeah, you've if ne- you make it, mistakes, it's, it's okay. If you've never done it before, chances are it's gonna be it's gonna be a heap of garbage. I don't remember what our first live stream was like. It was horrible. I'm pretty sure it was a steaming pile of crap. Yep, it, it is still live, so it's it's not good. It was a <laughs> steaming pile of crap, and that's the thing. Like, I so I'm I'm gonna be talking about this, like pushing outside of your comfort zones, facing and de- the fears, facing the fears, and determining uh, the difference between when it's something that you don't actually want to do or something that you're just afraid of and you've convinced yourself that you didn't want to do it so i'm putting a class together on skillshare for that because i'm excited for that yeah class. Some, of, some of our patrons uh talked about it and so like in that i talk about some of the different weird things that i did in order to break out of certain comfort zones because what i realized was that a lot of the comfort zones were what was holding me in that place and because i was in that place that was comfortable for me, I made a lot of excuses on why it was that I actually didn't want to do this thing or I just don't want to blah, 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 you know, and a lot of mm-hmm. times you're all indignant and whatever and like, <laughs> even angry. Yeah. And even angry about it. And you realize, oh, no, the only reason that I'm not actually doing this thing is because secretly I'm afraid. But for some reason, if it stays with you and it stays with you and then a year goes by and you're still thinking about it and you're still thinking about doing this thing, but no, I, this is why I don't do it then chances are it's something that you actually really want to do. So yeah, that'll be that's gonna be a fun a fun class. I'm gonna be posting that on Skillshare uh at the end of this week. So. Excellent. Thank you so much, Tatiana and Zoe, for your awesome questions that we wrapped up into our huge leveling up and pivoting and adapting for the holidays podcast. Thank you guys. Hopefully hopefully we answered your questions uh in a uh satisfactory manner. Indeed. Moving forward for the holiday season, uh I cannot guarantee that we will have our podcast going live every week obviously that is something that we're going to try and do for the rest of this month and the month of december leading up to the holidays but guys it is crazy for the holidays and what makes it crazy is that we constantly really jump in with both feet and just do whatever it is that we can to get our stuff out there in front of people, especially this year, because we don't have the benefit of being able to do a market or uh, be at a local business or anything like that, mm-hmm. because we're, we are being a little extra careful. So if we do miss a week, I do apologize, but you know, we're creating art. And so if you miss us, that's fine. We'll miss you too. Indeed. And I'm curious to know, you guys, how are you leveling up for the holidays? What new things are you trying, uh, considering that some of the old things are not accessible? So I would love to hear anything that you have to mention there. Just go ahead and list that in the comment section. And thank you so much for listening, you guys. You guys are absolutely freaking amazing. I totally adore you. And if you like this and you'd like to listen to more like this, go ahead and click somewhere around here to subscribe. And that's it. Say goodbye, Clee. Good day. Adios. 